Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Gavin. Give Ruth Graham a call over at Slate and tell her I said, hold my beer and watch this. I'm going to be an ass. The following podcast contains... So angry, I feel like swearing. Oh, Murray, you wouldn't swear at us. Go f*** yourself, prick. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you thought the dog would get his feelings hurt by an article it can't even read, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, December 7th, 2018, now you're messing with a son of a bitch edition of the show where we talk about man's relationship with his two best friends. And we don't mean the idiots in the Winnebago. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Dog. Dog wants to know if you're going to eat that. Surely you must want Dog to have some of that. Dog is here if you want Dog to have that thing. Does not matter if thing is dropped on ground, Dog will eat. Dog is not proud. Why are you putting in trash? Not see Dog is dying here. Dog wants you to know Dog is starving. Has not eaten in minutes. Has Dog not been nice to you? Dog deserves that. Wait, yes, Dog is going to get that. Oh, yes, 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 thank you. Wait, what is this? Dog does not eat green thing. Ugh. Dog does not like. Dog will eat his own puke, but will not eat that. What else you have for dog to eat? Dog. He's your best friend. I love every dog I ever had. I remember them all, and I love every one of them. Still love all my dogs, and I've had me a lot of goddamn dogs. In my lifetime, I have had me a bunch of different dogs. Because you do keep getting a new dog, don't you? You just keep getting one dog right after another. That's the whole secret of life. Life is a series of dogs. It's true, you just keep getting a new dog, don't you? That's what's good about them, they don't live too long. And you can go get a new goddamn dog. Sometimes you can get a dog looks exactly like the dog you used to have. Right? You shop around a little bit, you can find a dog identical to your former dog. And that's real handy because you don't have to change the pictures on your mirror or anything. Right? You just bring the dead one into the pet shop, throw him up on the counter, say, give me another one of them. That was real good. I probably shouldn't tell you this since it's like the most common security question in the universe. But my very first dog was a blackish, fluffy poof of a mongrel that I, uh, or perhaps my parents for reasons unknown, named Pickles. Please don't use that information to hack my 1999 Hotmail account. I've been trying to get past that firewall for months. <laughs> I barely remember Pickles because she was my dog when I was like three or four. I couldn't even tell you what became of Pickles because as of the time I was old enough to form coherent memories, clearly Pickles wasn't with us anymore. Maybe she was sent to the farm or because she ran under a moving Buick or maybe she ran off to live with a family that would remember her, but far more likely it's my parents just gave her away because we were moving. It was the 70s 
And dogs came and went like that. It was a long spell before we got another dog, well into my teens, when my sister began a campaign for a dog of her own. Please, 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 Daddy. It began as all canine acquisition campaigns do, with a solemn vow to promise and love to care for the dog, and ended with the arrival of a cocker spaniel puppy we named Sasha around the Christmas of 1995. Unfortunately for my sister, Sasha could give a fuck about her and promptly bonded to my mother and I. This is perhaps because Sasha was a stuck-up little bitch, as my sister said, or more likely, Sasha bonded with the people who actually fed her, walked her, and treated her like a dog with dog free will and a sense of dog personhood, meaning we didn't force her to wear clothes or pick her up and smother her with kisses and hugs for five minutes and then ignore her for the rest of the day like we didn't even have a dog. What dog? Sasha outlasted all of us kids living well into her teens before AIDS, disease, and a protracted series of moves sent her to that great farm in the sky. And through it all, Sasha was a part of the family, but in no way was she a replacement for my sister and I when we left or ever considered a human being, even though my mother might have actually preferred if Sasha was her kid because she was so much better behaved than we ever were. I, of course, went on to spend most of my young adult life immersed in dogs. Ten years as a military dog handler, then seven more working as a veterinary technician. There's dog fur in my veins. This is probably because some got caught in a cholesterol clot, but that's neither here nor there. And I'm willing to bet that at least 3% of my DNA is now canine, if for no other reason than bite transfer over the years. So I love me some dogs. Given the choice between a dog and a person, it's dogs, natch, straight up. So whatever I say after this, y'all need to recognize that I'm not some dog-hating asshole because given a choice between saving you from a speeding trolley or saving a dog... I think I'm gonna have to go with the dog. <laughs> so don't even at me, bro. And the reason that I bring this up is George Herbert Walker Bush died last weekend. This surprise, no one. Poppy was 94, which is a perfectly reasonable and respectable age to kick the bucket. And I found myself in a little liberal kerfuffle when I posted on social media that I always kind of liked H.W. Bush. Traitor. Bush the Elder was the first president I was eligible to vote for, and I did vote for him. Calm the fuck down, all right? I was 18, I didn't know shit about shit, and I came from a military family. What was I going to do? Vote for Dukakis. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy talk. So I voted for Bush, and he was my first and last Republican I voted for. Still, we all like to remember our first time, don't we? Don't we? I know I do. I also met George Herbert Walker Bush many times, both in my capacity as a military dog handler and then even later as a university cop. He was warm, funny, kind, and even humble. And to tie it back to all this dog talk, one of my military working dogs had a penchant for displaying his affection by humping legs or traffic cones or light poles. He was a humper, and once he tried his very best to do the hump and grind on former President George Herbert Walker Bush's leg, much to my horror and the president's amusement. None of this, none of this offsets the horrible policies and actions of President and VP that Bush did. I get that. All I said was that I liked the man, but that does not, that I never, ever liked his politics. But none of that changes the fact that according to many, many people... And look, I'm not one to not speak ill of the dead. I mean, I did an entire show last week mocking a dead guy. So I'm not trying to avoid controversy here. Now, when a president dies, 
even a one-termer, American media likes to make a big deal about it. And since America is a simmering shit stew of polarized disgust for one another, we like to use the death of said president to spew venom and hate at the other side of our political aisle. Nice little country you have here. Most of social media was consumed by vicious bickering, accusations of hagiography going one way, and bitter retorts about mean-spirit attacks on a dead man going the other. Just another day in Trump-America. But then, something happened that both sides could come together over. Something that transcended all political boundaries and united right and left in universal disgust and condemnation. Someone said something bad about a dog. What had happened was... Bush's service dog, a a yellow lab named Sully for that pilot who landed his plane in the Hudson River instead of thoughtlessly crashing into Manhattan a few years ago. Well, Sully was photographed lying in front of Bush's casket in the Capitol, and the image spread around the media to the universal cry of, Oh, he's just a cute little dog. And was promptly retweeted, shared, snapped, carrier pigeoned, fuck whatever around the goddamn universe with heartfelt sentiments about Sully grieving for his fallen friends. Things were fine and everyone was happy until... Someone said something bad about Sully and the internet exploded in rage. Slate Magazine's Ruth Graham wrote a pretty slatey article on Tuesday titled Don't Spend Your Emotional Energy on Sully H.W. Bush. What you really need is a great big fat guy with a tuxedo and a top hat who lives in your closet (laughs) to just jump out. The pith of Graham's article was A, Sully the dog wasn't Bush's lifelong companion. Indeed, he'd only been around six months. And B, quote, It's a bit demented to project soul-wrenching grief onto a dog's decision to lie down in front of a casket. Is Sully heroic for learning to obey the human beings who taught him to perform certain tasks? Does the photo say something, anything special about this dog's particularly loyalty or judgment? Or is he just there? Unquote. You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia. And the second and only slightly less well-known is never go against the internet when dogs are on the line. To be clear, Graham in no way stated Sully was not in some way sad at Bush's passing in his doggish way. She took pains to point that out. Quote, there's nothing wrong with applying sentimentality when it comes to family pets reacting to their owner's death. There's even some preliminary evidence from the small field of comparative thanatology that one and that animals notice death and that some may even experience an emotion we might compare with grief, unquote. What? Might you ask, is comparative thanatology from the current biology article that Graham linked to in Slate, quote, the scientific study of death and dying. Thanatology is an interdisciplinary field of research that includes biological, medical, forensic, and psychological and social perspectives on the end of individuals' lives. Although some definitions restrict thanatology to the study of humans, there has long been interest in the effect of death on on conspecific on the emotions and behaviors of other species. That clears things up. None of this stopped the internet from forming mobs and howling for Graham's head on a pike in the form of the dreaded 
Twitter ratio. Allow me to read you, pod friends, some of the tamer responses to Graham's story from Twitter. Quote, this is just another uh, another author being a shithead for cash. That Sully was only with George H.W. Booth for six months makes him sleeping next to his casket all the more amazing, you soulless monster. <laughs> oh, okay. This doesn't make y'all look like a petty bitch asses at all. And you are a bunch of idiots who've never had a lucid thought in the last six months. And these were all from blue check Twitter, the ostensibly vetted and saner side of Twitter. The average response from the peon sans blue check was more like, Bring forth the stakes! You shall burn for your beliefs! And of course, a huge help in the misogyny, death threats, and unnecessary word, use of the word cunt. You know, just the high level discourse we've all grown accustomed to from Twitter. And of course, Fox News weighed in on the topic with an article titled, George H.W. Bush's service dog, Sully, isn't a Democrat or Republican. It's doggone crazy to attack him because you just gotta fucking put the dog bun in there. This Drivel goes on and on and on and on until delivering the nut graph of, quote, maybe it's a left-wing thing. I just have to ask myself if I've ever seen a conservative commentator make fun of a dead liberal president's pet. Did William F. Buckley Jr. trash President Lyndon Johnson's beagle? Did Walter Lippmann scorn follow the Scottish Terrier after the death of Franklin Delano Roosevelt? It seems that sniping at Sully is just a way to attack the memory of our, our 41st president. <laughs> oh my God, get over yourself. Because Fox and all the rest of you need to understand this one fucking thing. It ain't about politics. It's nothing to do with politics in the least. This... This inanity is about your idiotic obsession with fucking dogs. What did he just say? Again, I am a former military working dog handler. And hey, look, I just read an article about a military working dog that was killed in action in Afghanistan. Saved the life of his handler and a bunch of other army rangers in combat. The story reads, quote, Mako was killed in action while leading rangers into a breach of targeted compound on November 24th. Mako's presence and actions inside the building directly caused the enemy to engage him, giving away his position and resulting in the assault force eliminating the threat without injury or of loss of life, unquote. You know what that article doesn't say? It doesn't say Mako died a hero or heroically sacrifices life to save others. You don't know why it doesn't say that? Because Mako's a dog. He did what we trained him to do. He was taught by humans to do a thing that cost him his life, and he did it well so humans could live. Any of my dogs when I was in the military would have done the same thing, except for maybe fucking Marco. That little prick was an asshole, and I honest to God think he was trying to kill me. Sorry, sorry. See, now I'm doing it myself. My dogs didn't do this because they loved me, I mean, I guess they liked me. I gave them fucking cheeseburgers. But they did it because they were trained to do it by me, a human being. Removed, I removed the choice from the equation to benefit me. The dogs don't get a fucking say in this. They just do what we tell them to do because they're dogs and they're great like that. That doesn't make them heroic. That actually makes them a fucking victim of our oppression. But that's not what this podcast is about. 
And I would go on to say that someone who has spent nearly 30 years of their life living and working among animals, let me unequivocally say this, y'all gonna stop the shit about anthropomorphizing animals. It's fucking unhealthy for you and your pet. This obsession with treating your pets like human beings is killing them, and you are to blame. I cannot count the number of morbidly fucking obese animals that crossed through my veterinary hospitals, often with fucking health nut vegan fuck owners. And when I would point out that their pets were dying from this, they would all say, Think that I'm afraid I'll hurt their feelings. Yeah, I know. And that's why you're fucking killing your pet. Stop fucking treating them like they're children, like they have free will and won't be able to say, Oh, please. I would not like that fucking cheeseburger that you're not going to eat because they always will. Oh, God, and that is just the dysfunctional tip of the iceberg that is human-animal relationships. Let me get real here for a minute. A few weeks ago, I killed my cat Squeak because he had cancer. I lived with Squeak for 12 years, and I loved that cat. My other cat, Pip, lived with Squeak for all but the first nine weeks of her nine years on this planet. And you know what? I found myself applying my feelings of loss and grief onto Pip for a little while. And Pip, almost certainly in some sort of cat way, missed Squeak. But you want to know a bigger truth? Pip fucking hated him. Hated him for the first second she came home. Couldn't stand him. Never wanted to be around him. She would have killed him herself if she could have got her hands on a gun. But through it all, I knew Pip didn't experience the loss the way I experienced the loss, because she's a fucking cat. And you know what? Pip, in her way, is happier now that she's the only cat. She gets all the attention. She's allowed to do shit she would never get away with because I still have lingering feelings about grief and, um, and, and things like that about Squeak. She just has a better life now. She is happy to be the only cat. And if she were as a human being, if we applied human emotions to her... She would be the most evil fucking creature in the universe because she's happy that her sibling is dead. But she's not a human. She's a cat. Let her be a cat. And if that means she's happy that the cat that being that she spent fucking nine years of her life with is dead, that's just the way it is. I can't put my fucking values on her because she's a cat. And I'm sure, I'm sure that Sully, in his dog way, feels the absence of the person he was closest to. Is he grieving? Well, I don't know. What's grief? We know that physiologically, grief manifests in our bodies through the release of, through the release of cortisol. It's the stress hormone. And that, that release is persistent and sporadic, meaning we can be hit by waves of grief long after the original stimulus. Psychologically, grief leaves us withdrawn, listless, decrease in our appetite. In short, it causes depression and feelings of sadness. If you took blood samples from Sully right now, would he demonstrate elevated cortisol levels? I don't know. Is he withdrawn, listless, not eating? I'm willing to bet everything I own that if I chuck a hunk of bacon at Sully, he's going to hoover that shit up because he's a yellow fucking lab, and a lab will eat even after he's been dead for three days. Sully is a dog. Sully experiences the things as a dog does, not as a Dave does. There are clear demonstrations that some animals experience grief in ways closer to how humans do. Higher order social primates in particular demonstrate many of the same behaviors as humans because, duh, we're really closely related. 
Elephants display elaborate death behaviors when one of their band dies, indicating they have a sense of self that seems to be required to experience the emotions in a human fashion. Cetaceans. The great fish. Mammal. Whatever. Are documented displaying behaviors that can only be described as mourning. Recently, a killer whale off the coast of Washington State carried her dead calf for 17 days. Even crows will mob a dead crow in what some scientists believe is a grieving behavior. But all of this does not change the fact that we don't know what we see is grief because we lack facts. What I do know is humans love to tell a story. So we apply our feelings, emotions, doubts, and fears onto the animals in our lives and claim they are experiencing what we are experiencing. And that, my fellow humans, is just some bullshit. Beyond the shadow of death, we take it even further. We ascribe emotions to our pet that, frankly, are far, far beneath them. Jealousy? Oh, my dog is jealous of my new boyfriend. Why in the world would you want to demean your dog with such a human failing? Your dog deserves better than that. Or spite. Spite. Oh, God, I heard this one so much. My cat pisses in my shoes out of spite. Good God. Spite is a petty human thing brought on by the worst elements of our humanity. Why in the hell would you ascribe that to your cat? Something that you would find reprehensible in a human. Greed. Greed's another one that gets, especially on dogs. Oh, he's so greedy. He eats his food and his brother. Dude, first of all, unless he is born from the same mother and father, your dog is not, <laughs> the other dog is not his brother. And second, greed. You tar a dog with an epithet better associated with a shitty real estate developer with daddy issues and a clear dearth of scruples. Don't you even love your dog? All of these complex emotions we label our pets with are better explained by anxiety and by poor training. We allow our pets to get away with shit we wouldn't tolerate from our children. If your four-year-old shoves their baby brother away from his plate and eats all of his food, you put a stop to that shit too sweet. But when your dog does it, oh, he's greedy. Isn't that cute? It's not cute. It's bad pet training. When a pet exhibits unwanted behavior, it is almost always because the human in the situation is doing something wrong. But part of the usefulness of, of humanizing our pets is it's less work for us, isn't it? Stop blaming your pets for your fucking failures. Also, <laughs> your pet is not a fucking participation trophy. This is some fucking millennial bullshit. The next motherfucker that says something like, I ask myself every day, who rescued who, huh? Oh, who rescued who? I want to know. Is getting pelted with fucking kibble. You went to the fucking pound and got a goddamn dog. It doesn't make you fucking Batman. You didn't run into a burning building and carry him out to carry the dog out, you asshole. You got your Prius and drove three miles. I mean, good for you for not going to Puppy Mill Outlet, but fuck, can you stop patting yourself on the back? You're going to dislocate a shoulder with all that self-congratulations there, Miss Dog Savior. And this fucking therapy animal bullshit on fucking planes. Oh, you need therapy, all right. And probably a slap upside the head. I get it. You fucking love your anaconda. But that doesn't mean I want to sit next to a scaly, twisty ass with you on a fucking cross-country coach flight because it makes you feel better, Ace Ventura. Leave your fucking pets at home. I gotta sneeze my ass across the Atlantic Ocean because you got a note from a website that allows to take you alpaca on a fucking Air France, motherfucker? I don't think so. Simple rule. If your disability is that you're an asshole, you don't get to fucking take your fucking bat on the plane there. All right, Dr. Doolittle? What else is pissing me off with you people and your pets? Could I sit in a bar and not have a dog snout in my crotch, please? 
What's his name? Ball sniffer. He's a crotch hound. I find that having a strange nose buried in my taint is the sort of thing I kind of want to volunteer for, Brenda. It's good you fucking control your dog. Your pets are not as cute as they as you think they are. They're kind of like your kids in that respect. And not all of us are interested in getting to know fucking whatever their fucking name is. I'm actually, you know, I'm actually fine with getting to know your pet, but I don't want to have to fucking actually talk to you because you're gonna go on and on about her fucking backstory, like Bella the bulldog. And she has She has thousands of Instagram followers <laughs> Shit doesn't have any meaning to me Your dog is not an influencer And stop creating social media accounts For your pets Post that shit on your fucking feed You're a vain little shit And bad enough you need to spew your fucking filtered Select fucking lies on social media From your own account But you gotta bring your pet into their own little media empire your problem is you treat your pets like a fashion accoutrement, like a designer handbag or a pair of fucking Yeezys. You know what? It's a dog. And you know what your dog really wants? He wants to lick his balls, roll in shit, eat some things, and then take a nap. And if you toss in a few pets here and there, you've got dog paradise. You know what your cat really wants? Sleep, food, sleep. Run wildly through the house in the middle of the fucking night. Food, sleep. Block your computer screen when you're trying to fucking type. That's fucking cat's heaven right there. Stop making your pets' lives harder by dumping your insecurities on them, you assholes. And as for Sully, you know what? Sully doesn't give a fuck about what Ruth Graham said on Slate. Sully can't read, and even if you read Ruth's article to him, he wouldn't understand. Because you know what? Sully's got a fucking job to do. So get out of his way and let him do it. Unless, of course... You're not going to finish that sandwich because Sully would really like that sandwich. Thank you on Sully's behalf. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. I have a feeling this episode is not going to end well for me. Like maybe I'm some sort of self-destructive kick. Like last week I insulted a dead guy and made fun of Mormon missionaries for trying to save my soul. And this week I am, a, in your opinion only, attacking dogs and cats it's like i don't even want people to listen to the show anymore <laughs> jokes on you no one's listened to the show in the first place as james brown said nothing from nothing leaves nothing suck on that one pet lovers if you do happen to hear this show and you want to be sure to hate tweet about it widely tell everyone what an asshole i am urge them to listen to the show so they can hate tweet about me too if i'm gonna go down i'm gonna go down on a fucking ratio Speaking of the ratio, you could increase the number of people who will angrily tweet at me by rating and reviewing this show wherever you find your podcast. This helps others find reasons to never listen to the show again. You know, besides the obvious reasons revolving around it not being very good. If you want to find other reasons to hate me, they're all on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast, and all of my offensive content is on SoundCloud at the show name and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave, damn dog, Bledsoe, producer, I killed my goldfish, Gavin, and all the fictional dog and cat haters on the show. We want to say bring it on, motherfuckers. Bring it on. We'll see you all next week.
I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.